So, on Sunday night, I got a message from you saying, stop what we're doing. Wes Anderson's released four films on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thankfully, they were all short stories, um, Roald Dahl ad- adaptations. And uh, so we had The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar, The Rat Catcher, Poison, and The Swan. Mm. What do you think? I didn't know these were coming at all, you know. I'm, I'm just slipped right by me. I just saw they dropped on Netflix. I think I'd heard a rumour. I knew Benedict Cumberbatch was going to be in um, in the next Wes Anderson, but I didn't know he was working on, on anything, so this came as a surprise. Yeah. We were watching Brassic, um, and I was thinking, how on earth are we going to get an hour's conversation <laughs> out of season five of Bra- Brassic? So I'm sort of glad that this uh, blindsided me a little bit, but, um, but no, I'm... Um, these are really refreshing. I think it's nice to have another little anthology series, like some short movies on Netflix. <clears throat> yeah, so um, I think Wes Anderson's stuff is just really nice to sit down to and yeah, it's relax. Yeah, it's, like, it's a pleasure. It? And yeah. We've, yeah, we've definitely said this before. Um, and I wonder if he like knew that the Roald Dahl type story would just fit his style. He just mm. denied that he has a style. He does deny that he has any I mean, aesthetic. that's just delusional, though, isn't it? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, it's all, you know, it's, it's always very colourful and, and stuff like that. But so, so we had a debut, and I looked through most of his films. We had three debuts, I think, for yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch, Richard Ayoade, and Ben, ben Kingsley. And I think that it was yeah. like all, they just all, it was like they were all, have always been there. Yeah, And yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. what, he's really good movies. with his casting. Oh, 100%. He's yeah. so good. Like, Richard Ayoade, um, you know, I love as a, you know, comedic British actor. And, like, if he's going to start getting some roles in Wes Anderson films, it just, his style, just his, the way Richard Ayoade just applies himself, it just works in films like this. Fair. I actually kind of disagree. Only a tiny bit. Um, I think of the three that you've mentioned, Richard Ayoade fit the least. He was the most, like, standout as maybe not just gelling with Wes Anderson's right. style perfectly. But I think what that is, right, is that uh, this isn't necessarily a, like a, a shot to Richard Ayoade. Um, like, no disrespect intended, but I, I think he's the weakest actor. Yeah, and I think that's, that's to a, be expected. That's a fair thing to say when, you, you know, when you're being compared to the likes of Ben Kingsley and Benedict Cumberbatch and Dev Patel and, you know, well, sorry, he's not new to this, though, yeah, yeah. to Wes Anderson, is he? But there you go. Um... I think Rich Daiwade is too himself. He's not flexible enough to like meet a Wes Anderson role. Like I wasn't. Right. I didn't feel like I was watching ben, Benedict Cumberbatch at points. Yeah, you are, but you're not seeing Sherlock or yeah, Smile. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're seeing you're seeing the Wes Anderson character. Mm-hmm. You know, and that and that's definitely the same with uh, with Ben Kingsley. You know? But did you still feel like you were seeing Richard? Richard yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, I yeah, thought yeah, so. I thought yeah. Ben Kingsley was was the most significant. In terms of just slotting in, but yeah, yeah, I that's agree. maybe because I actually have to think: has he been in one of these before? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, because it's like that. I thought just the way he applied himself. I thought he'd been in all of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, tribute to him. Um, so, did you like all of all four of these? Yeah, I, there wasn't one I disliked. Um, I liked the wonderful story of Henry Sugar the most. That was my favorite, mm-hmm. and it's not close. Mm. But 
the other three, three were pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't dislike any of them. They were all refreshing. I looked forward to watching each one. So uh, I, I read an article um, from Jacobin, Jacobin.com. Right. Um, and they say it's the same old. And if you don't like Anderson, you won't like this. Now, do you, do you think that's true? Because this is a Roald Dahl story. And it, all it is is Wes Anderson taking the story and putting it on screen in the way only he knows how, in a sense. Yeah. So, if, so if you're like a Roald Dahl lover but hate Wes Anderson, do you still think you, people should or you could get on board with it? Yeah, I think this is a credit to Roald Dahl. I mean, there's something about the... Um, the scenery and the framing of each shot that does evoke like um, Quentin Blake as well. Mm. I think especially that's especially true for the rat catcher. Yeah, the, definitely. Like there's something about the um, the setting and the the kind of like cardboard cutout because you know how it's all sort of like the aesthetic of a stage and it's you know spoken to the audience and narrated diegetically as though it's a a stage play. There's something about the scenery that is very Quentin Blake, you know. So I think it does it does uh, a real honor to like Roald Dahl and like the, yeah. sort of the world of Roald Dahl as well. So yeah, yeah, I, th- I think you could still enjoy this if you weren't a Wes Anderson. Yeah, fan. to be fair, that the more I think about it, and, and obviously just off the back of what you said, I watched the Rat Catcher first. Right, that's interesting. <clears throat> so felt it was very. I was like, yeah, this is like, this is perfect. This is a perfect combination. Mm. And I think as I guess if, as I watched on as as as, the, as I watched the rest, I guess it felt more like Wes Anderson after, you know but the rat catcher was almost like perfect mm. um, now there, there was a criticism about Poison from um, Screen Rant mm. uh, so Screen Rant for some reason rated them worst to best so I've, uh, what, so, like so I've of the four just in their opinion yeah so number four they have Poison and the reason they said that they felt it was the worst was um, they thought the insensitive material was unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, so that that obviously that comes to a point where poison set in um, colonial India, and you know the the premise is that this general or Brit or Brit has has uh, you know thinks he's been bitten by a snake and and. In the end, long story short, the doctor says maybe he imagined it, and then the the Brit starts screaming obscenities at him, <laughs> you know, racial obscenities, and and I guess to me, I was like, oh, that's like, I guess my instant reaction was, that's interesting that they've decided to add that or have that as part of it, but it makes sense. Because that's how it's set. That's where it's you know it's set in that time well, a, time period. Unfortunately, it's a rolled Dahl piece. Yeah, I wasn't going to bring up some some yeah. of it. Some of it, yeah. Um, so I think it's funny that Screen Rant Short sort of mentions or, or wants to categorize these in terms of like best to worst because mm. I think the order that you watch these in has quite a large effect on what you take away from them. Mm. Um, I can't imagine what I would have thought of this if I'd started with Poison. So Poison was the last one I watched, right. and Henry Sugar was the first. So I think I went sort of best to worst. Now I wouldn't actually put uh, Poison at the worst. I thought that was quite cool. Mm. I thought the uh, the whole premise of like, is there a snake? Like the tension, the immediacy, like the the, the emergency of the situation, was like really captivating. Yeah. I was gripped by it. I like 
really immersive. Um, I loved that one actually. I think the worst was probably Swan, but I'm not really interrogated why it just had like the least effect on me. Mm. Oh, it didn't hit really hard. When mm. I However, finishing with Poison, it was like you know knowing Roald Dahl, being a bit creeped out by Roald Dahl generally as I am. It was like sort of the finale was like this big explosion of racism. It's like oh there it is. Like you know, like we've been we've been working towards this. Like I knew, and it was nice because you can go like I know I'm gonna stop now. You know like that's all for that's enough Roald Dahl. Like, yeah. Because that's exactly how I how I feel when I engage with Roald. Not that I sit and read Roald Dahl novels now, but you know like that's how I'd engage with him generally. Like I'm always a little bit hesitant. Yeah. Like you want to enjoy the story, but you're also like you. It, it just teeters on the edge of like intriguing and just downright like creepy mm-hmm. you know like it's it's weird it's unsettling and you know that there's an underlying there's an underlying well racism he's, yeah <laughs> he, he's, he, he's been known to write his prejudice in to his stories yeah and you can sense it which is a shame but you can sense it even when it's not you know like explicit mm-hmm. um, which I think just gives it uh, but there's more there's more to Roald Dahl than, than his prejudices. There's something else that's wrong. Right. I don't know what it is, but you know, like reading the twits as a kid. You know what I mean? Like there's there's something or yeah, like the witches, witches yeah, yeah. which is the big one, isn't it? Like, um, all of them, even like SEO Trot, which I loved. Like there's something there's it's just the right kind of weird, but it's right on the edge of being the wrong kind of weird. Yeah. You know. Come to think of it, like a lot of his stuff is like mocking the poor people yeah almost as well yeah there's a yeah charlie in the chocolate factory and like the you know that well mocking or was it real life experience i don't, I don't know I, I, don't, I don't really know the Roald Dahl's origin story but um it's like um it's like kind of uh dickensian isn't it mm-hmm. like but just not quite it's a bit later and it's kind of like got this darker sort of hallucinogenic quality doesn't it where it's like you know like crazy characters like Willy Wonka and the mm. rat catcher who's like low key just a rat like you know like, <laughs> like stuff like that and then and then he just bites the head off a rat or he just imprisons a child or you know yeah, yeah, it's always yeah. like whoa like yeah, yeah. you're just unsettled all the time um yeah he has the children's stories as well so the, yeah that's that's the other thing because he has this short um this anthology of short stories called Skin like it's named after one of them uh, and um, like skin and other stories or whatever and they're like almost just horrors you know but, but it's the same kind of like it's that Roald Dahl horror where like it's on the brink of being humour as well one of them's about a woman who murders her husband by beating him over the head with a with a leg of lamb and then the detectives come to look around the, the flat and she says oh you're hungry I've got a, I've got a leg of lamb in the oven and they're like, oh yeah, great! And they eat the murder weapon, <laughs> and it's like it's it's that's the story, you know. And it's, and it's funny, but you're like, hold on, <laughs> and it's, it's that all the time. But then you, you takes that same, it's the same mind that is then working yeah. on story or on children's stories, on yeah, stories yeah, of kids, yeah. and you like the undertone of like that's not on is there still? Yeah, you know, yeah. So um, so Ratcatcher came in at number three for screen ramp, um. And they thought the the non-committal use of props and stop motion was strange. So, yeah, I see that. You know the 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 the, the, the jar of oats, poison oats. 
he's just, just holding his hands in yeah, a circle holding air yeah and then there was you know there was a fake rat and a fake fe- you know a, you know invisible rat and an invisible ferret yeah um and then there was a little bit of stop motion with the with the rat when they were narrating the bit leading up to him biting the head off the rat yeah um but seemingly in, in some of the others you know stop motion was a bit more consistent yeah and, and um yeah and they thought that the the invisible props was unbelievably strange and 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 it's something that like i'll probably think about for a while like why didn't they just use Do, props yeah well actually to me really but is that a clever thing i, I don't well, know i liked that the whole thing that all four were on a stage in inverted commas you know like they weren't actually a stage play but it was it was a screenplay designed as a as though it's happening on stage so because the, there's a diegetic narrator talking to the audience making eye contact with a the camera there's no fourth wall at all you know um and there's the stage hands coming on and there's props that are obviously two dimensional to make up like scenery in the backgrounds and i liked that and so the the whole invisible props thing the whole like just miming using an item or holding something works well with that because it's because you're kind of aware all the time that these characters aren't playing themselves they're narrating their own story and like reacting it out but you don't even know if like they actually are them do you know what I mean mm. like was Benedict Cumberbatch actually Henry because he's not at the end is he because he then says like you know the name wasn't really Henry Sugar and yeah. this is all you know my point is it's like the actors are acting and you're supposed to know that and so the invisible props goes works well with that but then you have the weird stop motion with the rat and a reliance on camera work mm. just a little bit just a tiny little bit there's a scene in Poison where the lights switch and it flicks really quickly from the, the, the shot does between like three cam- uh, characters' faces. Mm-hmm. Finishes on um, on Benedict Cumberbatch's face and his eye moves at the same time as the light switch or something. You know, it's all it's really neat. It's really evocative, but it breaks the spell of this is a stage play because mm-hmm. then you've relied on cinematography as well. Yeah. Um, so the inconsistency is what I'm saying is bothered is what bothered me. I would rather they'd stuck with the invisible props and then the rat had just stayed as a model and there was no animation there. Mm. Because that way it would have all felt... I think the horror would have been there a little bit more as well. Imagine it was just him just leaning towards... Cause, sorry, imagine it was him just leaning towards a model of a rat. Because he even they'd even go as far as to make Claude, the character, then behave the as rat. the rat. Yeah, yeah. So the two of them can lean in the, and the lights go down and all that kind of thing. So like I don't I felt ultimately I agree with with, with screen run the stop motion section the little section of animation was like a little bit out of place yeah to be a side note like um, is is this the most heavy on screen narration that is that's been done as well yeah in terms of like the characters just telling the whole story yeah. as it plays out. Well, I love the... So, again, it's really evocative of Roald Dahl because it's this... It, it's, the, it's the way he writes. Mm-hmm. It's like you're being told a story. It's like a children's story. It literally is a children's story. It's like a bedtime story. You know, like you're being told the story. And I thought it was genius that they actually took you to Roald Dahl's writing room in that little shack in the end of his garden. And, like, almost all of them start with him sitting at his writing table, mm-hmm. you know, a cigarette, and he's writing. And he's telling you the story mm-hmm. that he's writing he's explain, almost explaining the writing process and then it cuts to one of his characters and he's telling the story I thought it was 
to be honest, it was pretty genius. So because I watched the rat catcher first, Roald Dahl didn't appear at didn't, the very yeah, start. He yeah. appeared near the end, and I was like, "Who the fuck's this guy?" <laughs> <laughs> Whereas if you watch, if you watch the one about Henry Sugar first, you'd understand, you'd understand that yeah. Roald Dahl's kind of involved. Yeah, and I was like, "The fuck's this?" Where's Ralph Fiennes? <laughs> just this old prick in a chair, just commenting on the rest of the story. <laughs> So there yeah. must have been, there must have actually been an intended order. I, I just think have so. no idea. Well, I imagine they were the order that they came out in, that they were actually released in. Right. Uh, which I think, I think, hesitantly, is the order that I watched them in. Right. Okay. But I'm not sure. Um, but no, I think, the, to be honest, I thought the Daijik uh, narration was brilliant. Mm-hmm. I loved it. It doesn't always work. This, it just, it just suited so perfectly. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I, and I really, no, I, I actually really like that. I'd have, to, I have so much time for this. Um, it's almost like a new style of, of cinema or TV like I know that uh, Wes Anderson's been around for ages and has done this forever and this is just a very like intense Wes Anderson experience but I actually really like the diegetic narration of a character to, of a character playing themselves like as though it, they're on a stage and going like say, saying a line in character and then turning back to the to the camera and going I said <laughs> you know, you know? Yeah, yeah. and like actually doing things and then saying oh then I did this yeah, and then yeah. I run over to the door and then he runs over to the door like I hate that in a novel I hate first it, when it's written in like well I guess second person you know that, that weird present tense first person when it's like and then I am doing and like, I hate that I can't read that it doesn't work out but I don't enjoy it Yeah. but on screen this is like the on screen version of that present first person and it worked, it worked brilliantly I loved it I thought it was really funny and it, it kind of like it accentuates the quirks of yeah. the characters. And, yeah. I mean, Dev Patel, um, Benedict Cumberbatch, Ralph Fiennes, they all just killed it doing this. Like it, it suited them so mm. well. It was great. I loved it. It was great. I, w- I wonder if he's going to do this for a while. Because I, 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 w- I would definitely have the appetite to see more short stories from Wes Anderson in this, in this kind of frame as well. You know, yeah. I guess more Ronald Dahl stuff. Um, obviously, because it just felt like he's already done a, like a big release this year in Asteroid City, and to kind of then get out four four other pieces of work, mm. or I guess this maybe counts as one other piece of work. Yeah, kind it was of one, basically yeah. the same six actors yeah, <laughs> across all yeah, four. Yeah. Um, so, I, but, but yeah, I wonder if this was like testing the water for shall I actually do an anthology of these on on Netflix? Um, I think this was the anthology. Yeah, so you think this was the the piece of work and it won't be revisited or maybe well so I might be wrong about this but I'm pretty sure all four of these short stories come from the same anthology of right. Roald Dahl's work so I think he's taken four from an anthology and been like these ones will do and he might I mean I, what would be quite cool is if he did a whole different anthology I'd yeah. love to see Skin yeah. like brought to life in like four you know? so yeah, I'd love yeah. that if he did if he took on another anthology of Roald Dahl's work I think you could, there's a lot to explore with Roald Dahl um, I mean, you know, he, he did Fantastic Mr. Fox, mm. and that's Roald Dahl, isn't it? Mm. So, like, yeah. he obviously has an affinity with this writer, and he wants to explore those stories. So, I'd, yeah, I think it'd be cool if he did maybe a different anthology, as I say. But equally, I think he'd devalue the art a little bit if he just keep going with it. Yeah, Whereas Anderson's not a director where he's going to start releasing sequels, is he? Yeah, yeah. So, um, maybe we'll start just working on a movie now, and we can wait. That'll come on, you know, next year or something. Yeah. So um, num- the Swan came at number two for Screen Run. Um, they said at times it was difficult to follow because it was really monologue heavy. 
Yeah. And and not very many shots were distinct from one another. Yeah. Um, so I watched this last and maybe got a little bit fatigued. Mm. Um, but there, there was there was a couple of it was a horrific. I mean, it was a horrific story. This this is a PG. It's a horrific mm. kind of story to think about. Um, but but there's one thing I really really liked about on in this story in particular, and this is when um, Rupert Friend is on the train tracks, and he's describing the train coming mm. towards the boy, and and the first description was it was a dot at first, and he holds up a piece of card. And it's a dot. <laughs> and then he was like, and then he looked again, and that was there was the front of the train, and he held held up another uh, piece of card, and it was just like, I just love that. It's so it's so it, yes, it's so descriptive, and then they're actually yeah. showing you a visual representation of what Roald Dahl was trying to create in yeah. that moment. And it's um, Quentin Blake as well, isn't it? Yeah, Do you know what I mean, like it's just like that would be on the page almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and I found it. That was almost one of my favourite parts of, of all of these bits. Yeah. Just that, just little little um, piece of work there. Was, and so, the Swan was based on a true story, yeah, right? Yeah, because um, took it from a a newspaper article newspaper. Mm. Um, that he read in the forties. So it was, th- <laughs> it was thirty years before he actually decided to write the story. Wow. Um, but quite a horrific situation for a real, you know, a kid to actually be. Through, yeah. Traumatic. Um, yeah. So you you thought the Swan was the worst of the four, right? Well, I agree with Screen Run. Yeah, I think the the lack. They said of... it was second, but oh, okay. Well, yeah. I agree with their criticism. Like yeah. the the um the lack of distinctive shots. It's all sort of in one field, for want of a better word. It's in the it's in the gap, the pathway between tall crops, maize or something, um, and the, almost all of it's there and it's it's the most narration heavy and it just doesn't hit me like it's you know if they're creeping towards roll, traditional rolled up not traditional typical rolled up of just being a bit too on the weird side that was one of them it's that kind of short story where it just it lapses into the absurd at the end where it's like and then he became a swan and flew away and you're like oh right and there's some symbolism in there somewhere but I haven't quite clocked it and then it. it collapsed and his mother's yeah garden. and you're like what am I supposed to what does this represent? Because it tricks you into, you know, thinking it's a story and actually it's a poem. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Like, um, and I don't, I personally don't like that, that kind of short storytelling because um, I'm plot focused. I like a good story. I want to, and that's why I loved um, the Henry Sugar one so much, but we'll get to that. I've said it before the short story lives and dies on the last line, doesn't it? Something my friend always says. And when you don't understand the last line, you know, and maybe I can be criticised for that, maybe it's my fault, but when you don't understand the last line, like, where's the power in it? Mm. You know? So what yeah, was well, this was line? my least favourite one. Not literally the last line, but... Well, it was like, it was like um, what have you done? Or what yeah, you done? yeah, 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 yeah. I don't... So one, obviously I'm talking about the written short story, but... Mm. Um, what I mean is just the, the the conclusion. Yeah. The last, the final moment. Yeah. Which is obviously like he jumps out the tree with swan wings attached to him and then flies away, but also then crashes and dies in his mother's garden. Oh, I, did he die? Oh, I don't know. He sort of gives it me. Because <laughs> his eyes were open, but uh, it wasn't very conclusive. Well, this is what I mean. Like, yeah. you know, and there's obviously there's symbolism, but I, can't, I don't know what it's for. Yeah, yeah. 
I just yeah what what was going on like that's traditional that's typical roll dial to me that's like OG roll dial where you finish it and you're like for god's sake why have I read that that's just made me a bit uncomfortable like, <laughs> um, and then the main event really you know so I think Screen Rant said the Henry Sugar short story was the best mm-hmm. um, what's the actual title of it the wonderful, wonderful story. story of Henry Sugar um, the most developed story the longest mm. Um, so it kind of it did kind of have to be the best, but it was good. Mm. Um, what what did you like about it? I mean, this one was by a long way, head and shoulders above the others. A long way, my favourite. Um, again, though, I think the order that I watched them in, or that you that they were released in, and the order that you're supposed to watch them in, does have a lot to say mm. for how you respond to these. And this one being first, I think is important because it obviously you get the introduction of Roald Dahl sitting down at his writing desk and the story begins and then the levels of narration are ridiculous with this it's like Wuthering Heights for God's sake like you start with a narrator and then you shift to another one you know Benedict Cumberbatch picks up a book in his library and opens it and he's not the narrator Roald Dahl is he's your second tier narrator and he opens a book and it goes into the book and the character in the book is the third tier narrator and then within that book that character meets someone and he recounts his experiences yeah. to that character and it goes in <laughs> and he becomes the narrator so it goes from obviously Roald Dahl and then Henry Sugar Benedict Cumberbatch and then Dr. Chatterjee and then Imdad Khan and then it comes out again that's the deepest he's got the secret he's the guy that discovered how to see with your eyes closed or without your eyes and then it comes out again it goes back to Henry Sugar at the roulette table and then all the way back out to Roald Dahl so it zooms all the way in and all the way out and I just thought that was beautiful. I loved yeah. that. Uh, you know, as you're zooming in, you're getting maybe a little bit lost. But what's great about it is it's like it's honing in on a secret, you know? Because yeah. the whole thing's a mystery. How do you see without your eyes? And it, it just goes down these levels of, of mediation, these levels of narration, and you get deeper and deeper into the story and closer to the heart of the mystery. Yeah. And of course, the absolute heart is this weird monk levitating in the forest, levitating in the jungle, and he meditates. And Imdad Khan, as a young man, comes across him and learns the secrets and then practices and teaches himself how to have this ultimate level of focus where you can see without your eyes. And then you've got him coming across Dr. Chatterjee and then Benedict Cumberbatch's character, Henry Sugar, coming across the book. That recount oh, uh, the, uh, the book that is written by Chatterjee and teaching himself. You know, it's brilliant. It's this like this mystery wrapped in many layers of narration. Yeah. And it suited, or rather the, the sort of the theatre um, aesthetic of it all, suited this story the best. Yeah. I almost wouldn't, I would have been perfectly happy if this was the only one that came out and the other three never existed. Yeah, yeah. I would still have, you know, the other three were great, but they felt like accessories to the big show, yeah, which was yeah. this one. Yeah. The, um, the, uh, Richard Ayoade did have a memorable moment for me in this though as well, and it was and it was again it was more it was more narration. It was when um, Doctor Chatterjee and I don't know what Richard Richard Ayoade's character the other called, doctor the other doctor were chasing um, Khan through the the hospital through the hospital yeah and uh, and basically 
Doctor Strategy said something to uh, Richard Ayoade's character, and it was like he didn't respond. He just had a shocked expression on his face, and then Richard Ayoade <laughs> just looks back at the camera yeah. with his expression <laughs> and just turns back around and keeps going. And there was like, a yeah. lot of that, yeah. and, and I think that's the same as the train. Yeah, being a dot on a piece of paper yeah, it was like yeah, this yeah. is what it looked like. Yeah, and because he was because he was running a different direction, it was like okay, stop. This is what it looks like. Back yeah. to back to the movie. And I just love that moment again, and. And it was, you know, they're just, um, I feel like with Wes Anderson, it, there's just so much magic anyone, yeah. individual can take out of yeah, yeah, his yeah. work. Um, and whether whether you get tired of the style or, or just feel like, you know, he's kind of just doing the same thing and just applying it in different ways, which is... You can get tired of how you just how whimsical it is. Yeah, but it's just it's just all, such a pleasant watch. Yeah, it always yeah, yeah, it yeah. just always is. Um, yeah. And I I do think you've got to be willing to kind of suspend your disbelief when watching his films. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, because but just because of that style, it can be a bit like it's 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 so good, but it could also look like really badly. Done to someone that doesn't really watch films in a, in a sense like if, if you're not really a, a film buff and you switch this on and it's like someone narrating and the camera's switching like quite harshly and it's all bright colours and it looks yeah. quite old fashioned it looks like a theatre it's yeah, like yeah. a stage play it, it, yeah. and it's I'm sure it's off-putting for some people present tense um, yeah but no the, if you're a passive viewer yeah, this might be a bit it's, jarring it's yeah. not for you at all I think um, but I, I, I would definitely like and they're all P. They're all PGs apart from Poison. Well, literally, but so like I two so lines. So, at so, but I don't know if these. I don't know. Like, are these stories for kids? These ones? Nah. I'm not, I'm well, not too sure. the majority of Roald Dahl's work wasn't, was it? That's the thing. Like, it's just that the the big ones were known as kids stories. Mm. The, the major, you know, um, I can't even remember any of them now, other than the Charlie uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Was James, James the, the Giant Peach? Peach. Yeah. Um, Sio Trot. Danny, the champion of the world. Yeah. I loved that one. I did. Um, like, I did like the twits. I'm not gonna the, lie. Twits, the twits. Yeah. Uh, and, and, the witch, and the witches. Um, the witches. What? Oh, there Matilda. Was a, yeah, and there was a Mister something as well. There was an, another one that was like Mister something. Matilda. Yeah. Matilda's obviously massive. Yeah, I mean, the guy's huge. What I would quite like to see, as much as Wes Anderson really, really suits Roald Dahl's story his style of direction his world really suits Roald Dahl's narratives as much as that's true I'd love to see this like taken to a different writer mm. it'd be really cool to see Wes Anderson like to see another one of these anthologies but completely different mm. I imagine like Bukowski short stories or like Carver or something what <laughs> and Wes Anderson doing them yeah, yeah it'd be wild yeah. but then maybe that maybe that's way too much maybe it wouldn't work Maybe you know, maybe the maybe it would just be strange. Mm. Um, but I think that would be cool. I'd love to see that. You know, I I I think I, I come away from because I'm not sure how I came. I don't think I came away from Asteroid Cities thinking I want to watch more Wes Anderson. But I actually came away from this thinking, yeah, I do want to watch more Wes Anderson. I think them being I wanna, short and bite sized yeah, probably yeah. helps that. Yeah, maybe it's that that suits him. Um, yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe you're right maybe the short story suits him perfectly because yeah. maybe you get into two hours and you're just like 
why am I this still yeah, going? What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> this still the format we're in here? Yeah. Um, whereas forty minutes, you know, and and actually, um, the Henry Sugar story obviously debunks the the myth that I create around. It's really hard to tell a story in a, in the slot of a film. Yeah, well, I've always I've always thought that's true. Uh, that's untrue. Sorry, I've always. I mean, obviously, the short story just itself is a testament to that. I still think I, I still think modern day, it's more of an art to be able to tell a good concise story. I think that's always been true. Ultimately, I think the short story is the hardest thing to write. Yeah, a, a finely crafted short story. That's the hardest. It's like a poem, isn't it? You know, and it's and it's perfect because you have to be so economic with your words yeah. and you have to be so ruthless with what you're cutting. Yeah, you can't be space. You can't and you can't start at a nice round beginning. You got to start in the middle. Yeah. It's almost like writing a longer story and they're just cutting off the beginning and the end. But it's still but you're still getting everything from it. Yeah. That's a real art, yeah. And Wes Anderson's done that successfully here. I mean I, pr- I understand they're not his stories, but he's brought them to life in in a really cool way, yeah. Just a final point. So um he was questioned about changing the stories. Mm. Um, and he's I think he likes to think of himself as a traditionalist and basically says once a piece of art's done you, should, you shouldn't change it and he, he said I, <laughs> I wouldn't want Roald Dahl to come back and change parts of the stories I wouldn't mm. want an artist to do a painting and then make adjustments to it he says mm. once it's done it's done you just take it as it is yeah, um, but then he's not done that by making adaptations. Because you're always but, changing but, it slightly. I, yeah, but I guess he's he's saying that he's adapting it almost as closely as he possibly could, and and wouldn't do anything else. Have you read any of these short stories? Any of these four? I, did, I to be honest, I didn't know these four existed. No, neither so. did I. Neither did I. I've also because I think there were. I read the Netflix description, and it was four of Roald Dahl's lesser known yeah, short yeah, stories. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, th- so there's obviously. Yeah, I suppose they're all lesser known when you've got Matilda and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, right. <laughs> That's true. But yeah, but um, when you've got Timothy Chalamet playing you and Johnny Depp playing your characters, but um, so there's a moment in uh in the Henry Sugar, the wonderful story of Henry Sugar, where um, Benedict Cumberbatch goes, "If this was a a fictional tale, what would actually have happened? Is you know what could yeah. actually a, a concise ending to this could have been." you know Henry sees through his own body and sees the blood clot coming towards his heart and, and I was like because I, because I don't know how the story actually ends I part of me was like that, I bet that's how Roald Dahl actually ended it I bet that was Wes Anderson nodding like to how the story actually does end and then he goes but because it's not a fiction and this is a real story it, it goes on and like you know yeah. you, get the, you get the ending that was in the show it was in the TV show so oh sorry the short the short movie it um, would make sense for Roald Dahl to end it as the, uh, yeah. described in that point. Yeah, yeah, as a kind of dark, yeah, almost oh, yeah. horrific. Oh yeah, like, he spent three and a half years yeah, being able yeah, to see yeah. it through, through his eyes, and now he can see all his health conditions, yeah. <laughs> but he can't stop. Yeah. <laughs> you can't do anything about it, he's helpless to watch himself die. Yeah, I mean, that's, Classic that's Roald Dahl. on brand for Roald Dahl, just making you just uncomfortable at the end. Um, so yeah, that, yeah, I was wondering actually when I was watching it, like, well, how did Roald Dahl in these, and has Wes Anderson made changes? I guess that's answered my question, no, not at all. And to be honest, it's on brand as well for Roald Dahl to throw in something like that. I, mean, I could have ended it like this, but I'm not going to. <laughs> like, but just put that image in your head, yeah. that's how I wanted to end it. <laughs> here's an uncomfortable thought, moving on. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, fair. More short stories, please, Netflix. Well, where's Anderson? Yeah, but Netflix generally too. <laughs> <laughs>